You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylists, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylists.com. Hello, and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylists. I'm your host, Leila Petra. Today's episode is all about soft living, a trend that's been gaining traction post-pandemic. But what exactly is soft living? To explain all, along with Stylus's head of multimedia, Christian Ward, I spoke to Ninka Kremers, consumer attitudes trends researcher at Stylus, and Chloe Peer, author, speaker, and founder of wellness lifestyle brand Thyself. Can you explain to us what exactly is soft living and how and where did this trend even originate from? So soft living entails lifestyles that prioritize wellness, joy, and minimal stress. It rejects the idea that work and productivity should be someone's main priority in life, but it rather shows people how to find self-agency and personal fulfillment through low-key activities. The term soft living was made popular by Nigerian influencers around 2022, but it finds its origin in black feminism, with author Bell Hooks and poet Audre Lorde advocating for radical self-care as early as the 1980s. I know 2024, soft living has evolved quite radically and means different things to different people. So in West Africa, soft living very much points at living a life of ease and stability, comfort and minimal stress. But in Western societies, some see soft living as an anti-work movement or a super luxury lifestyle. There's just so many avenues of the term, but soft living to me it refers to more of a lifestyle. So it's comfort centric. It's all about relaxation, minimal challenges, minimal stress. Generally, I think how it's portrayed in the media and across social media and other visual platforms is a life of wealth and luxury. But the way that I see it is that it's just more of a simplified life. To me, Soft living is more of a goal and a direction, much like happiness, if we think about it in its broader term. It's not necessarily meant to be a static version of life. It's something that will come and go. I think it's unsustainable and a little bit unrealistic to think that you're going to have a life without challenges or stress, if that's what the terminology or that's what the idea of soft living is. Yeah, definitely. And I think, obviously, the biggest round that impacts is work as well and that kind of work life which for a lot of people that's where the stress and this lack of boundaries come up it's fascinating to me that prior to this whole movement of embracing slower pace and kind of prioritizing wellness first that we had this kind of opposite trend of the girl boss trend and social media romanticizing the hustle almost in kind of the corporate lifestyle and now the pendulum swinging the other way where we're having the soft living trends and lazy girl trends and quite quitting, all these steps that people are taking in order to avoid stress. Why do you think it's suddenly having this surge in affinity now? Why here? Why now that this soft living is really finding popularity? I think, honestly, it just reflects people's general thoughts and feelings. I think there's a lot that has happened since that girl boss era. So that girl boss era or the kind of glamorization of corporate land and corporate living had its moment and then we had the pandemic so I just think we naturally slowed down I think at that time especially for brands and the tastemakers and the people that almost make the cultures that we see today 
they really had a struggle to really maintain and keep hold of the masses. And I think the masses generally started speaking for themselves. We were all basically homebound. We were in our sweats and really purchasing more loungewear and things like that. So naturally, that trend was going to grow. And I think that's what it is. And the more people look into it, the more they realize that this could be a lifestyle that I could adopt, that there are more things that are coming up now for me that I maybe ignored before because I had all of these distractions or I was in the rat race. Myself included, I would say that I only found wellness when I really needed it most. And that's when I went on this journey to understanding it more than creating a business and a community that could perpetuate that message and that concept. You have to be in it to feed it, to be in it to really understand it. And I think we were all in that bubble. So it's just continued to grow. And I think there will be some sort of pushback. I think trends really change all the time. And if I think about corporate land and if you want to speak about world control and new world orders and things like that, not to go into too many conspiracies, but generally people will need, if they want to survive in this society, in this world, that they will need that kick up the butt to keep on working and getting things moving and powers that be essentially will want that. It'll be quite interesting to see what develops after this soft living trend because I think it's been around maybe the last two, three years. And I think especially within the mainstream as well, people have really adopted it. So what comes next is really going to be an eye-opener, I believe. What are your thoughts, Ninka? At Stylist, we do a lot of work about work. We write a lot of content on working and how different generations approach work and see productivity. And we are really seeing that work-related burnout and stress and anxiety are really big drivers for this soft living trend. And especially among youngsters, that's the case. So 46% of global Gen Z say that they feel stressed or anxious at work most of the time and 34% of adult Gen Z say that they want more from work besides salary. So they want more work-life balance and job satisfaction but at the same time they're also facing a polycrisis like Chloe mentioned during the pandemic people really came to terms with what was important for them but right now they're also facing a fear of climate emergency threats of war and a recession. So people are really focusing on different milestones that maybe older generations would have much of a more easy time reaching, such as buying a house or retiring. So over half of Gen Z in the UK, they are facing financial precarity and they're really prioritizing well-being and joy because they are not reaching these milestones. Is what we're really seeing in stylus at the moment. Could I ask a question here then? Yeah. We talk about Gen Z. Is this a young person's trend? I like the idea of soft living, but I have two kids to feed and a mortgage to pay. Yeah. And I'm just an old Gen Xer who has worked in a very traditional sense pre-pandemic for many years. Do you feel like this is something that which is blossoming amongst the youth rather than something which is trend across all demographics? I wouldn't say it's just youth. I think when we're talking about a work context, we're seeing it show up very strongly within younger people entering corporate workforces right now. I think over a broader spectrum, if we're talking not only work, it's obviously also 
for more mature generations, it's the case that they're probably looking to more joyful activities instead of just productivity and just their careers. But yeah, within work, we're also seeing so many flashy headlines right now of Gen Z's lazy, lazy girl jobs here, lazy girl jobs there. So yeah, within work, it's showing up there for youth very strongly. I'm just wondering then for the people that haven't really embraced that, how is it that we can neutralize that territory where they are coming from two different places? How do you see that going, as we say, mainly in the workplace? Yeah, so Gen Z is seen as difficult to work with due to their preferences for a good work-life balance and flexible scheduling. So 74% of American managers find Gen Z difficult to work with, which is a lot. And some young people are also not coping very well in their first corporate jobs. So in upcoming reporting in pop culture media, about anti-ambition, we mentioned that Gen Zers and especially TikTokers report how tough they find the nine to five working schedule, stating that they cannot find any time to actually live life anymore. And then older viewers reacted to that, that they found that very naive. However, I've seen some other reports that Gen X is very much on the same page. So they're also not really okay with the nine to five but I think that sort of living at the same time isn't necessarily anti-work it's like Chloe mentioned living good living stably but a movement for advocating for a self-agency which is maybe the crux in workplaces where young employees are just shifting their priorities so that work is not number one anymore but people still want to and will have to work so They are rather calling for a healthier environment, time to work on their mental health and progress their professional skills. I know that you mentioned previously that obviously this doesn't just primarily apply to the workplace. There's other realms in life where we can start adopting this soft living lifestyle. Maybe, Chloe, you can answer this one, but where do you see other realms in our lives where this can play out in terms of starting to embrace that slower pace and prioritise wellness? I think it's a certain individual in a work job. It's giving yourself time to be distraction free and asking yourself, what does your life look like? Questions like, what are the pillars that matter to you in terms of life? Is it work, family, relationships? Is it hobbies? Is it spirituality? All of these questions you need to ask yourself. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of feeling uncomfortable and finding out what areas of your life do you need to look at that you may have been distracted by for the last couple of years or maybe for all of your adult life and all of your working life and figuring out how important it is to you what you could be doing with your time if you had more time where would you like to put your efforts and then I think that's when you can discuss things like what are stresses what are triggers in your life and then going about spending more time in those areas or trying to live a slower paced existence within those areas And I think this is where people get confused with different generations of people. Some people just have the language. So if we're talking about Gen Zers or whoever, they have the language and millennials, I guess, they have the language to put to these things. They're very emotive. They have the language behind their emotions that they're feeling. Whereas I think older generations didn't have that ability or they didn't have that freedom. And that's where I think the differences lie. But essentially, we're still people. We still have to work in this society that we live in. 
I just think some people have language to express themselves better and then therefore they have that self-agency to advocate for themselves even within the workplace which my grandmother never had the privilege to say that whereas I can say this is not working for me and I will figure it out and even if I take all my life figuring it out that's okay. And I think that's the part of soft life that people don't talk about. It's being okay with just being okay or just like removing success and stress. That's what it is. More from Chloe and Ninka in a moment. But just a quick pause to say you can find out more about trends like soft living by following our TikTok channel at We Are Stylists, where our pop culture guru Julia Ahrens has covered related topics like snail girls and the rise of anti-ambition. And of course, there's even more on the Stylist website for members. If you're not already a member and would like to find out how access to Stylist could benefit your business, email innovation at stylist.com or visit www.stylist.com slash membership. Now, back to my interview with Chloe and Ninka. I would be very interested to hear your thoughts, Chloe, on just what brands can do in terms of engaging with this trend and what examples you may have seen in the corporate world or the world of brands that sort of tap into this? I'm going to pull out one of the issues that I think people have is that they see things on TikTok or they see things trending that they just always try and replicate it just with their own branding and their own stamp. But the problem is that people, the consumers, are essentially marketers themselves. They've spent so many years being marketed to. They know what it is now. So they're not going to be phased by some sort of branding which is meant to be outlandish or it's meant to be tapping into a trend just for sensationalism. So I think brands really need to look at themselves and think, how do we relate to our consumer? What are we actually doing in-house that they can't see? That relates to them because it's no good saying we're all about soft life and doing it the way that the TikTok aesthetic trend is doing it but then in-house you have people speaking up online on platforms like Glassdoor and other places saying that we are just killing ourselves at this company or we hate this kind of environment it's not supportive so that's just extremely contradictory and to think that these consumers who spend so much time online are not going to catch wind of that in some way, shape or form, whether that's passed down through word of mouth or stumbling across these kind of things. I think the consumer nowadays is way more in touch with the brands than sometimes the brands themselves are. You can do deep diving archives into what that brand has said 20 years ago. And sometimes the brand marketers themselves aren't doing that job. So I just think that kind of transparency and that awareness is needed. I had this issue today, actually, with a client of mine. And they said, we really want to do this kind of content piece in the wellness space, but we don't want to use words like forceful or for it to have a negative effect. So what you're essentially saying is to live a life of well-being and soft life, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, is for it to be light and pretty and fluffy and you're selling people the wrong dream and essentially that kind of content is not going to go down not only is it not going to go down well on the wider scheme of things but if you're working with someone like me that really advocates for the truth behind practically everything even if it means that I'm wrong then we're just not aligned and your work is pretty much wasted because it's not factual it's leaning into something that is quite dangerous actually and what we should be telling people is that you can live a soft life but it's having boundaries, it's having awareness, it's being able to take the rough with the smooth. It's your perspective on things rather than the reality or the use of certain words. 
Ninka, have you had anything to add to that as well in terms of seeing industries and brands embrace this and how they can relate to their consumer on that level? Yeah, for sure. So there's a few brands that we see integrating this messaging in their products. So I think one of the most visible is Apple's new journaling app, which doesn't mean that journaling is for everyone and that it is synonymous to soft living. But the app basically lets users reflect on their days to improve their mental well-being. So they can write about everyday moments, special events, and include photos and videos. And Apple also released a mindfulness app in June where users can log their daily moods and emotions, which is supposed to set them on this track towards focusing on their well-being more. Also, we saw Lululemon's Lunar New Year campaign that just came out called Be Spring, which encourages well-being through balance and focuses heavily on martial arts. So we also see that this has a very global impact for brands. I guess a kind of final question is you was just talking about the global impact and I know that you spoke to the independent Chloe and mentioned it as being a privilege almost this kind of mentality and I'm just wondering if you could elaborate on that. Is this kind of a privileged thing for more western I guess living lifestyles do you think it is a bit of a privileged thing to adopt so i definitely think it's a privilege it's a privilege one in terms of mindset right so you have to be someone that is open to feeling uncomfortable and doing all of these kind of self-awareness practices that in itself is a privilege that's something that i personally have seen that certain older generations or certain individuals of an older demographic struggle with in terms of my own family and my own environments, is that they struggle to understand that kind of perspective in terms of you can slow down or why don't you dig deeper into yourself? It's because necessarily they weren't taught that. And I think a lot of that issue comes from living in this Western bubble, for sure. So yes, it could be a regional issue. But I do want to highlight the fact that there's so many other countries and people that reside in what looks like second and third world countries that actually adopt a way softer pace of life. There's obviously so many more privileges that we have again that's down to perspective so maybe my kind of last word on this subject or this podcast would be perspective because it's how you look at it essentially some certain people in certain areas of the world actually do live a slower paced life they do get to a certain age in their life where they can actually say I feel happy or I feel content or I feel like I am successful because look what I have around me. I have great environments. I have healthy environments. I can grow my own food. I have great connections with the people that I care about. So I think it's how we look at it. But I wouldn't just say it's a privilege just from the Western perspective. I think within that, we need to look at the ways that people live, certain demographics, how they're perceived and seen in this world and what access they have to things that seem like rights to others where they are falling short of I think is such a wider question and I think if anyone needs to take stock of that it's the brands that are extracting from culture and for them to do it the best way and to lead by example. That's it for this edition of Future Thinking. I hope you enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your feedback. On x we're at stylist underscore live and on instagram and tiktok you can find us at we are stylist. See you next time. 
You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.